So today we are going to see second epistles of Peter. Few months back, I have preached on First Peter. The whole First Peter, there are five chapters. I gave a summary of all the chapters we have been through. So now we are going to second epistles of Peter. So First Peter encouraged believers to stand strong despite all the persecutions from outward cast and to submit ourselves. to the governments leaders officials so this is a whole summary of first peter the second peter insists christians to remain faithful till the end despite of false doctrine false prophecy and false teaching everywhere so the calling is we have to stand firm in faith till the end that is a summary of second epistle of peter so Peter second epistle this book was written in AD 65 to 67 that's after death of Jesus Christ 65 to 67 this was written for who had obtained precious faith like us it was written to all the christians who were the believers who had the faith just clearly called out in the first verse itself if you read the first verse second half it says to those who through the righteousness of our god and savior jesus christ have received a faith as precious as ours so this is this book is specially written for all the christians who had faith for us the believers there are three chapters in this second epistle the first chapters describe how to grow in faith and godliness first chapter describes how to grow in faith and godliness will go one by one chapter it's not that difficult i think i can cover only the highlights and the summary we are going to see as a whole what is written in the second epistles so introduction on the first chapter first thing what we can say is introduction about peter when i say can you give introduce yourself in the interview if you go anywhere they'll ask you to say can you introduce yourself when they gave this when they say this what will come to our mind we have to always say our positive things high points strong points to reflect how we are right that's what we always do wherever we go we always want to show what we are capable of right but here we can see in the first line simon peter a servant and apostle of jesus christ simon peter a servant in the other version it has given us born servant he introduces himself as a servant because he is a disciple of jesus the maker of heaven and earth god himself came down even though he is a master he came down as a servant to us he came to serve us peter the disciple of jesus christ he followed the same pattern right he called himself as a bond servant simon peter a bond servant so we believers we christians when we say we are believers of christ we always we we have to call ourselves as a servant of christ we should not call ourselves as a high ambassador high representative or whatever it is like what we do in our interview or whenever people ask to show ourselves or speak about ourselves we should not boast ourselves we have to always humble as a believer of Christ Jesus that's what we can learn from the first words word itself first line itself simon peter a bond servant an apostle of Christ Jesus it shows peter humbleness the humility where we can learn from him how we have to be humble in our life too 
And then we know Peter is ahead of all the disciples in which whom all the most of the churches were built in those days. Right? Now Christ is the head of all the church. Right? The same way, how we humble, we have to humble ourselves. That's what we can learn from the first verse. And then what we can learn is how God called us and what promise he has given to us. Let's read the verse 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So how he has called us? By his divine power, through the knowledge of him, he called us. By his divine power only he called us. Because we don't know Jesus, we don't know him. He called us by his divine power, through the knowledge of him, by knowing him, personally knowing him, then only you accept it, right? There are two parts here. One thing is he is calling us. The other thing is we are putting faith on him. Once he calls us, unless you put your faith on him, you will not know him, right? You have to know him personally. So there are two things here. One thing is his calling, his divine power, and the knowledge of knowing him, that you need to know him personally, then only God's calling will be fulfilled in us. And what is the promise he has given? Once we have got the salvation, which is accepting him as a personal savior. He said, we are partakers of divine nature and escaping the corruption that is in the world through the evil desires. So what is the promise he is giving us? He is going to give the divine nature to escape the evil desires of the world. Only with his power, we can overcome this world. That's what we can learn from three and four. So first thing, we are learned about the humbleness from Peter. And the second thing what we are learning is how he called us and what promise he has given to us in verse 3 and 4. And the next thing is, as I said, how to grow in faith. That is what is described in the first chapter. Let's read from verse 5 to 11. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is short-sighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling an election sure for if you do these things you will never fail and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so first thing how to grow faith it's clearly called out to add to your faith goodness the other version it is given us to add to your faith virtue virtue is good moral or good standards I think it is easy as a believers in Christ, always you have the faith, faith in Christ that we always do. And the next, next thing is good morals and good standards. Obviously, when we accept Christ, we show good standards and good morals in our life as well compared to others, I think. So the next thing what they say is knowledge. 
to knowledge yes we seek the word of god and we gain the knowledge as well that also we do and then self control this where somewhere we are lagging i think so the first three at least we are more capable of having it right faith goodness and then knowledge we do but when it comes to self control we are not 100% sure we have self control in everything else the same thing goes with the other things as well like perseverance we don't have perseverance we don't have patience that is what we are lacking and godliness brotherly kindness and to love these are the things we have to grow in faith when we say we are believers of christ we accept jesus christ these are the things we need to have in our life to complete complete our journey with jesus christ to have our kingdom in glory eternity yeah so it says if you are having all these things neither you will be barren or unfruitful in the lord of jesus christ yeah, you will not be unproductive that's what it's called as so always we know faith without deed is dead right whenever you are a believer when you have faith your action should prove your action should follow the first step is faith the second step is your actions will always follow so when we have faith we will read all these three right faith goodness knowledge self control perseverance godliness brotherly kindness love these all things we have to have in our life if we have this we will not never stumble that's what the word says right we have all these we will never stumble and we will have the promise the everlasting life is given to us that's what we called into the last verse what we read and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ when you have all these ones the promise is given you will have eternal life so we have to try it hard to get all these things in our life when we say faith all these should flow we have to bear fruits in all these areas and then god will give the eternal life which we are all are looking forward to yeah if you are not having this what you are calling as you are called as short sighted even to blindness as we heard in the morning we might look outwardly as we are blooming as we are shining but the days will go when you are not in christ you will wither right that's what we heard in the morning the same thing goes over here as well so we can call we are believers of christ we are having faith but unless these things flow in our life we will not have that eternity eternal kingdom which god has called us for yeah the next thing what we are going to say is peter approaching death if you read verse 12 to 15 so i will always remind you of all these things even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have i think it is right to refresh your memory as long as i live in the tent of this body because i know that i will soon put it aside as our lord jesus christ has made clear to me and i'll make every effort to see that after my departure you'll always be able to remember these things so here peter predicts his own death he is saying soon he is going to die all right those who are closer to god they always knew the time of departure from this earth i've heard so many testimonies from so many ministries actually senior pastors or senior ministers 
they knew when they are going to die because god will talk to them the same way peter is a good example here he knew actually when he is going to die he is saying i'm going to remind you again and again the same thing the same way if you see certain senior pastors or senior minister who are closer walking with god they knew the departure from this earthly place to the heavenly realms they know when they are going to go but they are not sad those senior ministers they will be always happy if you can go and see them in the deathbed they'll be rejoicing they'll be saying i'm going to meet my savior because that is my permanent place that is my eternal home so he they will bless each and every one they will do whatever they want to complete in this earth so they'll be rejoicing in the deathbed or they knew the time when they are going to depart from this earth so peter we can learn from it we should not worry about our death we need to be happy about our death because our life in this temporary place is going to end and we are going to meet the savior and we are going to have everlasting life with our savior jesus christ and then what peter testifies is about jesus christ and also about prophecy further down we can read from verse 16 to 18 it says we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but we were eyewitness of his majesty for he received honor and glory from god the father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased we ourselves hear this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain so here g peter testifies about jesus because he has lived with jesus he heard when jesus was baptized by john the baptist the voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son the same passage has been written everywhere right matthew mark luke we have heard the story and we knew this was written so peter again he is testifying here that jesus is the savior who came from heaven to earth and they were with him and they were testifying him he is the only one who can save us from this sins from the world and to get us to eternity so again he is seeing he is proclaiming the gospel the salvation the means of salvation how he has witnessed with jesus that's what he is saying here and about prophecy also further down he will say the prophecies are coming from the holy spirit not from himself or from anyone else if you read verse 20 and 21 it says above all you must understand that no prophecy of scriptures came about by the prophet's own interpretation for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit so peter was talking about prophecy prophecy was always given by the holy spirit even now till this day till this moment there were prophecies which was given by the holy spirit but nowadays people just say their own prophecy we never know whether it's true or not we can't claim whether it is 100% it is spoken by holy spirit or it is the man made thinking which they say as prophecy so we have to analyze ourselves we have to understand ourselves we have to ask god whether it is a true prophecy or not but all the prophecies comes from holy spirit right this whole book is all prophecies right the whole books is written with the help of the holy spirit each and every word is written by the power of the holy spirit
So the whole chapter, the first chapter, we have completed first chapter. What we can learn is about Peter and how to be humble and what we are called for and what is the promise he has given and then how to grow in faith. When we say faith, then we need to have faith, goodness, knowledge, perseverance, self-control, all those we learned. And then Peter testifying about his own death, how we have to look forward to our own death as well. And about the gospel, he told about Jesus Christ and how he came down and then he died for us. And the other thing is about the prophecy. Now we move on to chapter 2. Chapter 2 specifically calls, talks about the false doctrines, false teachers and false prophecy and their destruction. This whole chapter is about that only. So when you think about false prophets and false teachers, they are not new. They were not newly generated now in this era or in this 20th century alone. The false prophets, false teachers were there before Jesus Christ, during the period of Jesus Christ, and after the death of Jesus Christ, even now to the moment, false prophecy and false teachers were there. When you think about false teachers and false prophets, you might think, okay, they are living outside. Those atheist people are called as false teachers or something else. But that's not true. False teachers and false prophets are within the church. They are not outside the church. So those people don't preach anything outside of the Bible. They also preach what is in the Bible. So the false teachers and false prophets, they also preach the Bible. But one thing what they do, they add certain things or alter certain things according to their needs, according to the fleshly desires. That is what is happening in recent days. So we need to be careful. We have to examine ourselves. Is it really saying in the Bible it is like that? Because people just make small few changes and they try to manipulate things. They try to lead people into the prosperity gospel. right? That is what we are calling as prosperity gospel or false teachers, false prophets. Yeah? So we have to have a clear conscience to pray regularly, to understand actually, even whoever is speaking in this pulpit, by God's grace, in our church, actually the gospel is preached very well and the word is proclaimed very well. But wherever you are hearing the gospel, you need to analyze yourself. You, you should not take it directly as it is. You need to read the Bible and see whether is it correct. Whatever the preacher has said is correct. Because there are a lot of preachers, a lot of false prophets, false teachers has come around now who just manipulate certain words and certain ideas, certain principalities only. Okay, so what will happen to those people, to false teachers and false prophets? Let's turn our Bible to Revelations chapter 22. Last chapter, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 and 19. It says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him a share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. So if you are adding anything else, all the plagues will be applicable. If you are taking away any word, then their names will be removed from the book of life, tree of life. What a sad situation. 
people never know actually a lot of false preachers false prophets they don't know they are doing a major destruction for their own lives they don't know what they are doing to their own lives right bible clearly calls out you should not add or remove anything or you cannot manipulate anything it has to be as it is return in the bible we have to preach as well as we have to listen even if you are hearing some other things you need to compare that with the word of the god and see whether it is genuine and then you need to apply in their lives so as a christians it's a challenge for us now in this day lot of preachers are there lot of messages is available in youtube lot of things are available everywhere so we need to be beware of what messages we are hearing and whether it is according to the bible according to the word what has returned here that is our responsibility yeah so it is doesn't apply for only for revelation it is for the whole book of the bible as we said this is whole book as holy spirit has breath through the disciples and they have returned it with the mere hands so anything is added or any word is changed there will be consequences and the consequences are so bad your name will be taken out of book of life tree of life which we don't want to hear it at all right we all want our name to be written in the book of life we all want to be go to eternity so let's be careful and avoid the situation and let's continue so if we have seen the destruction of the false prophets but there is a promise has given to the believers let's read verse 5 to 9 again in chapter 2 verse 5 to 9 if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood down its ungodly people but protected noah a preacher of righteousness and seven others if he condemned the cities of sodom and gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly and if he rescued lot a righteous man was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless man for this righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by his lawless deeds he saw and heard if this is so then the lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment so the last verse is the key if this is so then the lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials in all these situations in all these trials we knew when the flood was there no one the seven people were scared right they were saved and when the sodom and gomorrah was burning to ashes he was saving few people and then lot he was saving as well there were few lawless men they were destroyed so even though we are in trials and tribulations but god has given us a promise those who are righteous he is there to save us he'll be saving us that is the key verse in that one then the lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous from the day of judgment so we have the promise that god is be always there for us even though all these tribulations all these trials all these false prophets or false teachers comes on place but god is there to protect us okay and finally at the end of this chapter again we can see a lot of destruction which is happening to the false prophets false teachers and all but let's go to the verse 20 to 22 if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our lord and savior jesus christ 
and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them the probes are true. A dog returns to its vomit, I, and a soul that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. So if you are a believer, this is a great warning for all of us as well, I think. Once we accept Christ, there should not be no turning back. If you are turning back, then our, the second life will be more worse than the first life, what we had. There's a good example is given, right? A dog returned to its vomit, so bad, right? And a so, a so is a pig, a pig that is washed goes back to the mud. So our later part will be very worse if you are turning our way back. Once we accepted Christ, we should not be turning back. We have a song, right? There's no turning back, no turning back. Once we have followed Jesus, we have to always fix our eyes and we have to follow Jesus. So as the believers, we should not turn back at all. We should not look back to our sins or we should not reiterate our sins on our mind. Once we have been forgiven, it's all done and dusted. God has clearly called out, I have forgiven your sins. There is no more sins anymore. So you should not rethink or reevaluate whether I am forgiven or you should not ponder on the old things what you have done before. Those are all gone. We are a new creation in Jesus Christ as we heard today morning as well. So once you accept it, there is no turning back. If you are turning back, our life will be more miserable than earlier. So once you accepted Christ, it's a clear call for us that we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and we have to walk in our path. So this is summarized in chapter 2. And chapter 3, quickly we'll complete. Chapter 3 talks about Jesus coming back and how we need to live steadfast in faith. Chapter 3 calls about second coming. The scoffers and the atheists always keep on asking, where is your Jesus? You people are saying again and again, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back. But a lot of people have dead. But he is not here anymore. So where is the promise? Whether he is going to come back or is just you are just waffling or you are just blabbering. That is what's the comment which we always hear from all the atheists. All the people who are non-believers as well. But God is so gracious. We know why he is delaying, right? The verse clearly explains here, verse 9. If you read the verse 9 in chapter 3. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. At some understood slowness, as some understood slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This, his delay is just for everyone to come to repentance. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He is extending his grace, he's extending his delay so that everyone all our families, all our friends, all our neighbors who have ever heard about Jesus Christ or never accepted Jesus Christ, he's just delaying his second coming only because he has a heart that no one should perish. That is the main reason he is delaying. And the other thing, it's clearly given here in while well, you go home and read, says one day could be thousand years and thousand years could be one day for Jesus. We never know his timing. God's timing is beyond our imag imagination. He is the creator of this whole universe. So we never know. 
the timing when he is going to come back as the word says god can come at any time as a thief comes to our doorsteps to steal things god's second coming can be at any time so we have to be prepared we have to be prepared ourselves and keep ourselves ready to meet our jesus any time that is what we are seeing in the chapter 3 so let's read verse 14 and 15 it says how to how we need to prepare ourselves 14 and 15 in chapter 3 so then dear friends since you are looking forward to this make every effort to be found spotless blameless and to peace with him bear in mind that our lord's patience means salvation just our dear brother paul also write to you with the wisdom that god gave him so we have to be faultless and blameless till he returns that is our responsibility we have to be faultless and blameless till he returns and then another thing is called as bear in mind that lord's patience means salvation there is another meaning given to salvation lord's patience that is our patience in lord so again is a salvation we are waiting on the lord is called a salvation too we say once we accepted christ that is called a salvation but waiting on the lord is also called a salvation here right bearing in mind that a lord's patience means salvation just our dear paul also wrote in many books about this so paul has written many books which peter also testifies and people are trying to manipulate those books as well the false teachers and false preachers and finally he said in verse 17 and 18 therefore dear friends since you already know this be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure positions but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory both now and forevermore amen so we need to be beware we need to be aware we need to challenge ourselves whether we are growing in christ knowledge whether we are growing in faith whether we are going in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ and we need to fix our eyes on him and to know him more and more and to grow in faith that is what we are always called for and as we learn today in chapter 1 faith godliness perseverance self control knowledge brotherly kindness love all these things should be added into our faith faith is not a single component all these things should be added into our life and we have to raise up with faith and live till we are called to the eternal home may it be a blessing to all of us to live our life to glorify him let's by faith we can see the hand of god let's sing the final song <laughs>